Welcome to the I Word. This podcast may contain strong language. to the iWord Volume 5. I'm your host Andy Sellers and today I'm speaking to Martha Watson Allpress. Martha is a writer and actor uh, who is graduating Central this year. Uh, Martha was kind enough to speak to me over Zoom as we entered another lockdown. Uh, We spoke about her background in Lincolnshire, how she got into both writing and acting, but it was just so great to chat to her. So let's get into it. Okay, all good. So thank you for coming on. No <laughs> um, so I've started each one by asking when was the last time they wanted to do their particular like noun, now that we've had like producers and stage managers and stuff on. So, but because you're so, you seem to be like so a writer and an actor. So indecisive. Uh, or, <laughs> indecisive, <laughs> that's what you want to call it. What would you, would you, when was the last time you wanted to be a writer and an actor? Because crucially as well, you're still at drama school. So like, you're still technically. Still looking for all the reasons to be an actor. But but so when was the last time for each? Um, I think, to be honest, they kind of like usually end up weirdly being the same thing. Because I think I get really gassed about acting when I see good writing. Because I'm like, oh, I want to act that writing. And like, oh, it's, like I said, like I think when you're at drama school, you literally look for all the reasons not to be an actor. So the writing inspiration <laughs> comes quicker. But at, well, no, recently I um, watched the two seasons of Rami, which is this sick TV show that I think isn't getting that much marketing in the UK. But it's so, so good. It's about like this guy, uh, Rami Youssef plays him, um, but about this guy that's just going on this journey to reconcile like his faith and like the faith of Islam and like how those two things are different. But he's so cool. Cause he gives, Oh, you're doing a face. This is cool. I think I remember that. I think I saw this in lots of the Emmy categories. It got like yeah, nominated yeah, for yeah, lots, yeah. but then I'm just like, what the fuck is this show? I've never it's heard this. So good. And is it a comedy? Like a, it's like, they call it a sad com because okay. it's like, it's like structured like a sitcom. They're like half an hour episodes, but it's like, so I can't even explain but what he does really well is like so the series is about his arc and his journey but each season he gives like offshoot episodes to these different characters so like his mum his dad his sister his uncle all have like these little offshoot episodes and in the first season he gives an offshoot one to his mum who's played by Hayama Bass and like she just there's the first shot she doesn't speak for the first 10 minutes of her episode and the first shot is her smoking a cigarette looking inside an exercise class and like she doesn't say anything but you know absolutely everything about the character you know how lonely she is you know how like disconnected she like all of it and I was like oh this is a someone who's like nailed their craft like wow. it, just all of it so I think that was the last time I was like acting wise I want to be able to get to that who, point who was the I actor who was the actor again She's called Hayama Bass. She plays 
Marsha as well in Succession, the um, the wife of, of the big, I can't remember his name, oh. it's Brian Cox, but she's it's... so good. So like I've her... not seen Succession. I'm now just guessing on like the poster of Succession. <laughs> but you we, we watch yeah, Succession. no, I know. Succession's probably the last time I wanted to be a writer because I was like, this is just flawless, like f- right, flawless. Um, yeah. Although that's that's depressingly long ago, so let's not. No, no. <laughs> but yeah, no, I think the last time acting got me like really sparked was was Rami and writing as well because that's just, oh, it's just a really 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 good series i was so surprised by it and you can do it all in a day if you're sad and so have nothing sounds... to do like me <laughs> <laughs> um what was it about succession i think succession i find really interesting because it's mainly written by british playwrights mm. so it's like so lucy preble exact... isn't it right yeah, yeah, so she's like the exec producer and wrote a load of it. And then I know Anna Jordan wrote for it as well. Did she? She did, she did. Okay. Jesse Armstrong, obviously, he's like the showrunner. He's British. Um, and I think it's that weird... The thing that makes it so good is it is very American. Like, it's all power, big buildings, big people. But, like, the humour and the humanity in it's very British. And actually, because all of the characters in it are, like, deeply flawed people... that kind of dichotomy of like the American British sits really well in the show and it's just the last episode of the first season is I think probably the best episode of television I've ever seen it's wow I can't like I know it's a big big statement (laughs) I'll check it out (laughs) it oh my god please do it's I've not I've not met anyone that's watched it and disliked it because I think it's so detailed and so juicy and actually so funny and in the second season, they go to Dundee, which is where my dad's from. So, like, that was just mind-blowingly cool. Because um, nothing happens in Dundee. <laughs> um, so then when they were like, I'm going to Dundee, I was like, that's weird, but amazing. Um, yeah, Succession is just chef's kiss. Nice. Um, you sort of said, like, uh, you sort of said just before you were talking about acting, um, about how uh when you watch good writing you want to act it uh and i think that uh because you're the first person i've had who's like you know like really passionate about writing i really want to ask you about your writing because you're <laughs> how much you get out considering yeah. what you're doing and a lot you know people who listen to this may not know but like you have written a lot considering you are still at drama school mm-hmm. Uh, like when you re- when you watch good writing, do you get discouraged? It's weird. It's like a. It's similar with acting. <laughs> I think there's a small amount of bitterness always because you're like, yeah. damn it, I wish. Like, yeah, I yeah, wish. Yeah, 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 yeah. You watch a good actor, and you're like, I'm happy for you, but I wish. I <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I I'm always like, think it's like it's. It makes you want to sort of you. You kind of watch something and go, I'll never if it's that good. I'll, if it's if it's like good, but like there's bits of it that aren't working, it kind of encourages you because you go like, oh, I know, I think I would know how to maybe tweak that. I mean, maybe, but mm. I think when it's so good, it's like, wh- why don't I just quit? There's no, <laughs> yeah. there's no point trying to write. Like you've just said everything I wanted to say so yeah, like, well. Why? Yeah, what's the point? I think there's there's a bit of that, especially. I think so. I have. I'm very fortunate in that I have a mentor 
for writing and he like um this guy called luke barnes he's a sick writer Oh yeah, yeah. yeah wow, so that's he, cool. My... <laughs> How did that happen? How did that? So happen? I'm I'm a supported writer with High Tide. Um, yes. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. And yeah, they yeah. Um, they gave us one-on-one mentors, and they gave me Luke. And when they initially gave me Luke, I was a bit like, not because of Luke. Luke I like love Luke's writing, but I think so much of my writing is based in being like a woman, and like that experience. So when they gave me a man, I was like, I don't. I don't really know how this works. And then I chatted with him and I was like, oh, we have exactly the same idea about what art should be and what access should look like and all of this mm. sort of stuff. So I was like, mm. oh, you're dope. Um, oh my God, I completely lost my train of thought. What no, was, sorry, uh, I instructed you to talk about Luke. Um, what was the... We were talking about uh, when writing's so good. Oh, uh, yes, I remember now. So like one thing, like when I was chatting with Luke, one thing he kind of said is that not in... He, said it much more articulately but I think it's good to have like an agenda as in like obviously you're not going to write the same thing over and over and over again because then everyone would stop caring after the first time you wrote it but it's like I think something similar is always going to sit in every piece of your writing because it's written by the same person and so when I get that moment of like I watch certain stuff or I read certain stuff and I'm like oh god this is so fucking perfect like what's the point in ever writing anything again and mm. then I'm like no but they're writing about something different like I love the story that they've created but they don't have the same like agenda as me they're not trying yeah. to make the same point and mm. I'm like so I could tell the same like if I like one of my favorite writers is a woman called Rita Kalmar Jayas and I think she's so sick because she writes like humans really and she just writes about like the the vulnerableness of humanity so articulately um but like so she wrote this film that's come out recently called baby teeth well she wrote the play then they made the film um and I was watching that and I was like I could write this story but if I wrote this story it would have so many like the crescendos would be at different points the like the low moment because I'd be writing it about something different yeah. Yeah, but it would yeah. be the same story so it would like, be your I, version it'd be yeah, and only you can tell your version sort of thing. you hope and then you see other people you're like <laughs> oh that's similar no but like, like, <laughs> like but I think um I'm reading I'm sure you've read it the Stephen Jeffries uh playwriting mm. book mm. I'm reading it at the moment and um he sort of says something similar in that like you you write the same story over and over and over again it's just your version and your your attempt to rewrite it yeah. is part of it. Like you need, you're constantly trying to sort of fix the things in your experience that didn't like, feel incomplete and you're writing that story and you rewriting that story is you working on your writing. And so I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever, you don't need me to tell you this, Martha, you're a better writer <laughs> than me, but like you don't, you, I wouldn't worry about that. Do you, do no, you, are you conscious, are you conscious good. about that? Are you conscious about that? I'm conscious of, I always think I have to, I get conscious when I'm writing stuff. I'm like, have I already said this more articulately elsewhere? Have I already like made this point that I don't need to make right. it again? And it's just right. me not trusting the audience enough to like understand what I tried to say the first time. But then I just kind of, I think that's just ego. And I think the the good art happens when you're writing or you're performing or you're doing anything without ego. And like, um, so I think when, and I also, I think, you know, like I was having this chat, with someone yesterday they gave me some notes on, on a piece of work and it's like when people give you notes on stuff it's really weird because I think in your heart of heart it's stuff that you know yeah. like you yeah, can yeah. read a script and even like as an actor it's the same thing when someone like notes your performance 
yes, like the notes that stick, the notes that you kind of choose to get on board with, they're like, I, I know that, but I just mm. needed someone else to articulate it for me because my ego was getting in the way of me seeing it that clearly. Mm. Um, so yeah, I think it's the same with writing. I get, I don't get discouraged very, I mean, I mean now, and I think with writing, one thing I'm realizing is actually almost 60% about writing applications and 40% about writing stories which is a tricky balance to find but like I don't think I think I'm learning that discouragement actually tends to be ego and I just need to get rid of my ego in that sense we'll see oh that's interesting (laughs) yeah no that is interesting which um where do you get your uh because I remember towards it was I think it was the beginning of 2020 I saw a tweet you did um, and you said that again, sort of like for an, uh, like an emerging writer, again, you're sort of still doing like high tide and, um, still coming out central and stuff. You had like four pieces of writing. I think it was that you, you'll tell me this tweet better, but like you said you had four pieces of writing being rehearsed at one time or something. What was it? It was like, Oh God. Did I you, it was, on Twitter? See, that's pure ego. <laughs> that's <your laughs> ego. No, but it was like, it wasn't, I didn't see it as ego. It, it seemed like I was, I, I admired your, uh, how prolific you were. And it was something like you were, because it was, it was around the time that you had something on, like, at the line Unicorn, uh, or, and something. Uh, I, I, know, you know I, mean? I know, I know, I know. I think it, yeah. You don't need, I you don't need to talk about that. I hope it comes from gratitude. I hope yeah, it comes no, from no, gratitude no, no, more no, than yeah. ego. <laughs> No, absolutely. I think it does. Because I was, I just, I wanted to know just like, because I think that um, people who maybe listen to this will be in a similar situation that maybe I am, which is like trying to do writing and finding the process so like grating sometimes. It's just like the hardest part about it is just literally doing it. Mm. Where do you get your like, (laughs) where do you get your productivity from? Like what what gives you it? it? It's not. It's not how, like, I or is it just an illusion? Is that just it, an illusion? <laughs> no, no, like, I mean, like, yeah, I mean, like, yesterday, I spent the whole day in such a slump, and I was like, oh, I need to do some writing, or I need to look at some scenes for showcase, all of this sort of stuff, I need to do some work, and I oh, just God. couldn't do it. I, I know. Yeah. Um, but I just, like, couldn't do it, and ended up watching, like, four hours of Brooklyn Nine-Nine, and, like, then at, like, six o'clock, I got some really cool news about writing and I just all of a sudden I was like my brain just switched into gear and I was like I have a thousand new ideas and I think it's sometimes just um people backing you like making it's it's horrible because you shouldn't rely on affirmation but it's someone saying like no I think you can do this makes you go oh no I think I can do this yeah. but like yeah I think it's that that support and I think that's why in like drama school they really want you to question if you want to do this and so sometimes I think it's really hard to have that. You, other than your peers, you haven't really got that many people going, you can do this. You, you're so close. Keep going. Because yeah, yeah, yeah. The, part of the training is making that come from you. So in a, like a writing sense, I guess it's just learning the same thing and making it come from yourself rather than like outside influence. I, I guess so. But also that, that doesn't sound like a kind of reliance. That sounds like sometimes you've got to use that. And like the the like, some people in that position may have heard that, and then in a way kind of denied it. 
and kind of been like, no, no, you, no, I'm not that good. I'm not that good. And just sort of like, and shriveled away from it. Whereas you kind of took that and used it and used it in a productive way. I wonder, <laughs> is that, do you, no, go on. No, 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 you go. <laughs> I wonder, do you feel that, because uh, again, Central is, a, is, a, is an interesting place for mm-hmm. encouragement. Um, <laughs> I would describe, I would, I've always described it as quite cold. Um, yeah, and maybe, maybe that is a good way of describing it in that like they want you to they want it to come from you yeah I think that's the nice way of putting it but I think I, I, I was having chats like a lot of my friends because I did open door so a lot yes, of my friends I like, dispersed about that. Yeah. Oh, best thing. but a lot of my friends like dispersed throughout a lot of drama schools um, so I've been like speaking throughout this whole year of like the pandemic and everything it's been really interesting hearing different experiences at other drama schools and I do think when I do think it's just flared up not the issues necessarily of central although it has done that of course but I think it's also just like flared up a lot of issues about drama schools and their structures and I think the structures are so in cement that when something like this happens like a pandemic they don't know how to adapt and Mm. it's and what it highlights for me is that maybe for a lot of places but like student experience isn't the thing at its center, which is what it should be. Like you shouldn't be an institution for education unless the most important thing to you is the people that you're educating. Yeah. Whereas like, I think a lot of drama schools right now, they're kind of grappling. It actually kind of weirdly comes back to the, the Rami thing. Like his thing is he's, he's grappling with like, how do the, how do I reconcile the faith of Islam and all of those kind of boundaries and rules and beautiful, like peaceful things and my faith of Islam, which has, you know, is different to that and, and all those things. And I think drama school is having a similar experience of like, how do I respect and honor the sort of the path that's behind us whilst kind of now adapting to this completely new landscape and understanding the difference between the two things. Mm. but yeah it's i think individualistic is a is a is a good way of putting it yeah central it, you're right i think that, that when you have an institution that's not adapted for about 30 years to anything yeah asking it to adapt is, is a is a is a big is a big thing yeah um, and it's the thing of like it's not throwing it well it's trying not to throw dirt at at them because it's like well who's holding you accountable that's the people that actually they haven't been doing that for a very long time so like it's it's as much on them as it is it's having a dialogue and just kind of like better understanding how you grow rather than just bury your head in the sand which I think some drama schools have done some drama schools are looking at like how can we change how can we adapt how can we move forward and it's lack of ego. I think the last time you've been around, there's lack of ego. Like Rada's been around a very, very long time. So they have a certain ego about that. Same as Central, same as Guildhall. Like, mm. and it's, I just think ego's like the death of creativity. So. <laughs> That's what the episode would be called. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I, I, I kind of then want to, I want to go back to what we were talking about before then, which was, mm. Um, feeling discouraged feeling discouraged in acting I think that was it yeah and um, so then my question then would be what 
so you but you were talking i suppose it was at the start good writing encourages you in acting i think so i i i'd love i'm still learning how to merge the two heads together so i'm still learning that kind of like fine line of actor writer like for the first time i performed my own writing last month and i hadn't done that before mm. and it was really tricky in a rehearsal room because we i had an outside director and it was when do I need to be an actor in this room and when do I need to be a writer in this room and what is my responsibility where and do I cut it or is that a director's thing and I'm like I just have to separate myself from the text now or can I still write when I'm acting all of those sort of things and like I think good writing when when I'm not in writer's head and when I'm purely in actor's head good writing just actually makes it easier as well when something is written good like it's all all the thoughts something is written I think one thing I'm learning, especially in theatre, I don't know, I'm still learning screen, but like actually in theatre, I think you have to almost write the thoughts mentally and then do the dialogue because if you just write the dialogue, the actor's going to be like, where is the thinking in this? And then it's not going to sound like how a human talks. But like good writing has the thoughts that actually all you have to do is say it and it will all just kind of happen inside of you so as an actor i love writing and then as a writer i love actors so much oh god Mm. they're fabulous i love (laughs) it's just like the best feeling in the whole world when you see like like patricia for example like seeing angie um do for the for for context for context this was your show at the vaults yeah 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 patricia gets ready i'm sure people who listen to this will know what it is but like i'm just (laughs) um but like my favorite bits in patricia and i've said this to like player now and Angie, um, which is the director and performer, like yeah. are these like little moments that I have not written, um, not dialogue necessarily that anyone's added, but like these little ticks or these little characteristics that Angie's put in there that just make it like an actual person and mm. like this like humor and like there's this whole my favorite with Patricia, there's this whole um, mon- well the whole thing's a monologue, but there's like a page and a half just about how much I like dogs. Because I was like, I love dogs. <laughs> I'm gonna write about how much I like dogs, and yeah. then I'll make it like meaningful. Um, but like, she does it, and so when I gave the script to Kalea, and I was so because we had to cut it. We only had an hour's time, so we had to cut quite a lot of it. Um, and I was so certain that was gonna get cut because I was like, it's just me going off on a ramble about how beautiful dogs are and they kept it in but like she does it in this really specific way she like minds a dog but it's just so perfect and I'm like oh god this is why actors are like genius because I see that and now I'm like oh god I want to write more moments that have less weight so that the actor has more free like oh yeah I think the two can really empower each other and are you are they like it felt like you were just about to say like you wanted to write bits that had less kind of thought that was just kind of feeling. Yeah. yeah. Because it's it like, it sounds like to me like you were just writing, I like dogs. So I'm going to write something <laughs> about I, how much I love dogs. And if it were, and I, instinctually that came up when you were writing the piece. And so then it's then an actor's job to piece all that instinct and feeling that you've put in together. Yeah, I think actors. I think actors are such empathetic people as well that they understand as well the nuance of like. Because if I dig into it, I'm like, okay, yeah, I love dogs. Like I, 
crazy love dogs. I can't go for walks in the park, like, and time them because I know I'm going to have to stop at every single dog I see to, like, pet the dog. Like, I'm obsessed. But, like, if I burrow into that, I'm like, okay, why do I love dogs? It's because they're small. It's because they're safe. It's because they're empathetic. It's because they understand anxiety and they're blah, 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 blah. But I don't think about that all the time. I just think, like, I love dogs. Whereas an actor gets that. And, like, in the Patricia context, she's in a really vulnerable position. She's, like, in a... I I didn't write it like this, but Angie would have, like, made all these beautiful notes and decisions and explorations with Claire. And she's like, why does she need to talk about this dog right now? It's because she's feeling unsafe. So she needs to channel the things that make her happy and make her feel safe and make her feel loved and make her feel cared about. And then this moment that is just me rambling off about how much I like dogs like Angie's made so layered and so brilliant and like it's probably there when I write it but I'm just not thinking about it but then someone else takes it dissects it and makes it this really glorious like fully embodied thing and I just think that's incredible like insane Mm. Mm. um Where did you where did you first start? When did you first want to start being writer and actor? Um I like separately or together? If they were separate then separate if they were together together. I think I always wanted to like I got when I was 13, 14, I um accompanied my friend to an audition <laughs> in London. Um you just went was... with a friend to an audition. Yeah, yeah, she was auditioning in London and right. she um like she already had her agent, she was doing quite well and stuff. And but she just didn't want to go by herself. So I was like, I'll, I liked drama at school, so I was like, I'll tag along. <laughs> and then <laughs> the casting director that was doing the audition, I ended up getting recalled and she was like, Do you have an agent? And I was like, Oh no. So she put me in touch with um Rob Kelly, who uh, uh represented me up until I was like twenty, I think. Um and then he retired. Um so like for me, like acting I always loved it but like it kind of purely happened by accident I got an agent and I was like oh I can do this this is a job like this is a thing people do okay well this seems like really really fun lovely um and so then I was just like oh well, I want to do this I didn't even now I understand that it is a job I'm like well this is the job I want to do and then but I'd always written and I'd always like read loads but I'd never thought about it like as work I just thought it was like oh Martha just does her little scribbles and then when I was with Open Door, they did one workshop with a guy called, maybe the wrong name, but I think Chris Arch. He's a playwright who run, he won the Bruntwood, I think. And he did a workshop, writing workshop with us. And he was just like, yeah, if you write things, you just kind of have to share it. Otherwise, it's a glorified diary. And it was just like, this, like <laughs> but it, it was so accurate. And it was just like this yeah. light bulb moment for me because I had loads of pieces of writing that I just, I was just hoarding because I was like, I, I don't know what to do with them. Oh, I didn't even think about them, to be honest. And and then he said that and I was like, oh, I could, it's the same with the acting thing. If I go to an audition, I could do this as a job. And it was the writing and I was like, oh, I could do this as a job and I could blend the two because now I'm getting with Open Door and then Central, I was like, oh, I'm getting more trained and I'm getting more confident in my abilities and like writing, I was like, why can't it be the same? Why can't I just put stuff out there knowing full well it might be rubbish, but you don't know that until it's 
out loud. And then also being at Central, I was like, I've just got this like amazing pool of actors around yeah, me yeah. all yeah. of the time. And like, they're just glorious and willing to try and willing to give up their time. And because everyone just does it for the love of it. It's like, it was just perfect. And then, yeah, they kind of just, I think it wasn't until, to be honest, it wasn't until Patricia did quite well that I was like, oh, I might not be terrible at this. Like okay. before that, I was probably like, I'll, I'll, I'll write a little bit here and there, but I'll graduate and I'll just do acting. And then Patricia did, I, I didn't know if people were going to like Patricia. I didn't know if Patricia was any good. I didn't know any of that. And then it did all right. And I it went like, oh. quite well. Yeah. Yeah. It was, it was a real pleasant surprise, but like, it's mad when anyone, when people that you don't know come to give a crap about what it is you want to say that's just insane yeah so i was like okay that's 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 cool maybe i could do this as well but i had yeah that i had no clue where are you from by the way i'm Um, from uh lincolnshire in the east midlands right like um yeah big big theater place (laughs) god no (laughs) there is nothing it's a it's an ref county really we call it oh right so like a military town yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, oh, I'm, not right, from, yeah. I'm not from a military town. I no, right, nearby. right, right, right. Um, but we call it Lincolnshire, we call it the Farms and Forces County because it's just agriculture and area. Yeah, That's right. what it is. Mm. There's no culture. Right, <laughs> like, no. I, that, I love yeah. it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has, its, it has, like, there are other things. So that's why I'm interested. What were you, what, what kind of culture were you getting in? Like, what were you kind of reading, watching, listening to, whatever? I think I'm very lucky that both because like so my parents split up when I was really really young like I don't remember them together at all right right um but I'm really lucky that both parents separately and step parents um and brothers and sisters that I inherited everybody just loved reading and like loved like films and all that sort of stuff and so we always like my mum especially, my mum's a huge reader, always has a book on the go, finishes a book in like two days. And she like, we'd always have like wow. TV off after a certain point. And then you had to read for an hour or two hours before bed. So I just wow. like read all of the time just because I didn't want to go to sleep. Mm. So I was mm. just like, I'll just have to read because I'm not allowed television. Um, and then in terms of like films and stuff like that, I think... Well, what were you reading? Because that seems like the thing that was bookending your day, like literally. Not that's not a pun. Pun that intended. Wasn't a pun. Yeah, that wasn't. A pun. <laughs> it was a good one. You should know. No, I, I can't. I can't claim that. What? <laughs> what? Um. What were you? Uh, what were you what reading? Read? I read a lot of. I read a lot of Anne Fine. Um. But then she did a book. I was so like I was such a, a gobby kid that like and I was so much more principled than I had any right to be and Anne Fine wrote a book I loved Anne Fine and then she wrote a book about wicked step parents and I was like that's perpetuating a stereotype my step parents are lovely and I just stopped reading Anne Fine <laughs> wow. like, I would have been like 10 or 11 I was like so awful um so no it's great <laughs> <laughs> um but what else I used to read a lot of my whole childhood was just wanting to impress my older brother Billy Okay. So I just read whatever he read. And he read a lot of, he read all the Harry Potters, which obviously now, upsettingly, JK, are terrible people. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, But like, loved Harry Potters, read Lord of the Rings. Um, he read a lot of Anthony Horowitz. Oh, the Stormbreaker sort of books. Yeah, 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 right. yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, God. And I loved that there was a terrible Stormbreaker film with Alex Pettifer. Oh, God, I loved so that. Bad. 
with I Mickey Rourke it, like, as the. <laughs> is it Mickey Rourke? Mickey Rourke's the the villain, no. isn't he? With oh the like the weird God. jellyfish in the. <laughs> I watched, that, I watched that a lot as a kid. Yeah. Same. It was a great film. I mean, it's a terrible film, but it's a great film. No, no, it's a great, it's a, it's a great film in its own, in its own way. Yeah, it was what you needed as a child. And like, I think I'm just looking at my bookcase. I'm like, what did I read? I read a lot of like, I read, I read Beano. So that's what I've read. <laughs> no, no, I, I have. Yeah. I, I still get Beano annuals at Christmas to this day. I have every Beano annual from 1993 to. Uh, 2020 because I'm like that because I love it I love it and I was so I was I wanted to be Minnie the Minx because she was so cool and naughty and I was like that's me um, again very precocious very precocious no no yeah. um but no I love I love the Beano I still read the Beano I love and I'm not a huge fan of like comic books and stuff like that like I've never been my vibe but like just for whatever reason the Beano I don't know if it's because it was Scottish or whatever but like my dad bought me the Beano and I loved it. And I think, but that's still storytelling and you'd get loads of Absolutely. stories in one, in one place. So like Beano is the thing I've read from like birth to now. I always um, think those kind of um, like, whether it's uh, kind of cartoony or comic book worlds, I think that like people really kind of, I think people do it a lot like with the sort of Marvel universe and stuff, like the kind of the turn the nose of the writing of it. And actually like when you look at, like that's like proper proper writing from a storytelling point of view it's really good to learn because i was yeah. like when i watched i watched um soul recently and i was like from a storytelling point of view it's amazing it's it so complex insane. and it's not like a kit it's like it takes a lot to be able to write those things and so i'd imagine from a bino point of view i, yeah. I personally i can't remember the last one i read clearly i'm speaking to a, a hoarder of binos <laughs> but <laughs> the the um the the storytelling will be will have to be really strong because they're having to fit in you know like stories that can last 20 minutes or you know before a kid goes to bed or like something it's, it's amazing it's and like character wise it's perfect because like how mm. long well the beano has been going as long as i've been alive and then plus so like that's i'm very old but like it's been it's been it's been going for a really long time and like in terms of like character they've had to like no matter how many writers have like turned their hand they've kept dennis the menace is the same person softy walter is the same person like billy Wiz, everybody <laughs> they're great names um but like they've had to like they created really strong characters that have like endured yeah. such a long time mm. oh god i love the beano great <laughs> so when was the um when did you first read a play Oh, it was probably school. It was probably like Hamlet. Right, um, in a kind of educational sense. Yeah. Right. I, I went to quite a quite an academic school, so I don't think it would have been like fun plays. I think it was probably, no. like, probably mm. like Hamlet and, and all that sort of stuff. But I, I loved it. I mean, I loved I was, English Yeah, I think, I think sometimes the, like those plays, I think when, they, when they're good, I think they can really stand out. Like I remember reading, oh, what was it? I think it was maybe, uh, it was maybe, who's afraid of Virginia Woolf? Ooh. Maybe at college. It was like, it was a college. So like, it was actually like English lit. And it sometimes, even if you're studying in academic sense, it can like pop out and be like, that's good. Like, even I though I, I'm not like a massive fan of it now. Like, I think if you've not read anything like that up until that point, sometimes they can really help. And I think Shakespeare's maybe a bit more inconsistent, but I remember reading like Othello when I was, in 
secondary school and being like, this is pretty cool. This is yeah. a bit weird. This is a bit like, this is not what I thought this was going to be. You kind of think it's going to be everybody like just kind of like holding hands and skipping down the road with like flowers. I mm. think it comes down to a lot of like how it's taught. I have such a gripe with Shakespeare. Um, but I, and I, I love Shakespeare. You I don't think. have to love Shakespeare. You don't I have do. to. I know. <laughs> just because you're I an actor and a writer doesn't mean you have to like it. Like, is he listening? I love yeah, Shakespeare. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, no, no, no. I do. Like, I genuinely love Shakespeare and I love, I love that language and I think it's really impressive and incredible and articulate and all these things. But I have such a gripe now with, I think, that it's become this really elitist thing where it's like Shakespeare was plays for the like that's the whole point it was plays for the people he wasn't putting on plays for like um all these like poshos it was like for plays that people could enjoy and you'd have you know characters that spoke to the groundings and then characters that spoke to the higher ups or whatever but like now i get so annoyed when like people try and make shakespeare like posh and i think i got really lucky in that my tutor or my teacher when i was in school like never tried to do that for us like she was like I I vaguely I think we did Hamlet because we did like gothic I think it was Hamlet um but like she never tried to make it posh she was like this is literally a little boy having a tantrum like that that is what it is and like they were and like now you see so many Hamlets that are going through like an existential crisis and they're so deep and emo and all of those things and it's not wrong of course there's like no wrong but it's like you're not making it accessible and Shakespeare is a lot of times so many actors just having a wank about how great mm. they are because they're doing Shakespeare and I'm like that's just the wrong again sorry such a wild tangent no it's sorry. not at all I think you know it's, if, if anything I was just about to say it comes back to what you said at the start which is um you're like allergic to ego it's this kind of like you 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 it feels like you you're aware of it in your own like in your own stuff but also aware of it in terms of like when you're watching it and i think you're so right in that i always i always just wonder why like when it comes especially to something like hamlet like why are you putting it on what's the point you need a good reason yeah so you need a reason for anything now like it's because it's because of especially now and um uh i was speaking about it with someone um uh theo the other day who's another guest on the pod um and it's like because of the because of the pandemic now anything being put on needs to have a really good reason to be put on and if it doesn't it's like why are you putting that on you could you're wasting money doing that so like and you know i love ian mckellen but why is ian mckellen doing a version of hamlet that's age blind at windsor what does that do? I, d- I don't know what that does for anyone apart from me and McKellen. <laughs> and that's it. Like people will buy tickets because he yes. is great and it will yeah. probably be good. But this is why I think as well, like I think as you move through drama school, you get like asked time and time again, what kind of work do you want to do? What kind of work do you want to do? What kind of work do you want to do? And you're like, I just want to work. Yes. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> like, what is... That's like yeah. it. And yeah. I will like take what I take. But I am, I do think I love, I love London theatre so much. It's where I want my work to be. Yeah. But I think it's so fascinating when you, like, regional theatre. Yeah. so It's so, so, because it has to have, like, more so. Like, the thing is, in London, you can put on a show and sort of guarantee people will come because mm. London is full of actors, writers, directors, producers, people that 
you know, and I think sometimes London just kind of performs to itself. In that, like, oh you have, like, God, an audience. Oh, my God, Martha, you've hit the nail on the absolute head there. But it's, I've, ne- it's, I've never known... Yeah, you've, you've described it perfectly. Yeah. It's, it's, you know, you can go... And it's the, the proof is, whenever I go to the theatre, I run into people I know because it's actors going to see shows and directors <laughs> yeah. going to see shows. Yeah. And then when you go to theatre outside of London, like, like, so where I'm from, Lincolnshire, it has a couple of venues, but, like, there's very little theatre and, and, and stuff like that moving through it. But the plays I've seen in Lincolnshire um, have been amazing because they mm. have to have such a wide, like, because you have to ask yourself, you're like, who the hell are you to bring a play to Lincolnshire? Like a county that is like entirely relied on like agriculture and farming and, you know, has deeply conservative, has its problems. Um, but like, you know, and is this REF base and like all of these things. But like, so who the hell are you? Like, why should you, why should anyone give a crap? that you've like put on a little play and you have to just have so much thought and care behind taking plays to those places, which I think in, I think it's good. I do think the pandemic has forced London into a bit yeah. of like, what are we prioritizing here when mm. theaters can reopen? Absolutely. What are we putting back Absolutely. on? But yeah, that I have, that's my, my well, I think, no, no, I think it's so right. And I kind of want to, I kind of keep talking about it. Cause I think we come from similar places in that I think, I come from a little village uh, on the south coast of England. Been conservative its whole life. Mm-hmm. And it's not really going to change in a way. But it's like, those are the places that you need to take things. Yes. They, yes. Like, not, not, like, not in a patronising way. Like, we're going to change you. Like, we're going to help <laughs> you. It's like, not that. It's like, the, those places, like, my... Um, uh, I'm really hoping that it will that will get some money, but my theatre that I did youth theatre at, and we're going to talk about Open Door in a minute because I really want to ask you about it. But um, my sort of youth theatre, which was Nuffield Youth Theatre, um, as well as Big Little in in Bournemouth, but Nuffield um, recently shut because yeah. of the pandemic, and it was just like screwed. I don't know what happened there, but like the work that I've seen there has always been great, and it got a new building and everything. But that was the place that it needed things to go to it. It just needed it. And it's like, I, I, I don't live in Southampton, but it's sort of my nearest theatre. And it, I don't know the theatre scene, but it, people who are going there are like, aren't always actors and stuff. They're like, they want, they want to see stuff that is like interesting or new or like coming from London or like reflecting their own community. And it just feels like London has this. And again, it's sort of, it sort of goes back to the Ian McKellen thing. I don't want to shit on Ian McKellen because I, I, he's brilliant. I, I love him. I love him. But like it, it, that the the Windsor thing, actors will go to that. Yeah. Because they'll want to see he's Magneto. Yeah, because he's <laughs> Magneto, and because it's like a big star, and because like London theatre, the stars help. But if you go to and. I don't, I don't know what point I'm trying to make, but it's just like, no, it, it, would you ever, would you ever tour? Um, would you ever think of taking Patricia to Lincoln? So, so Patricia will, will be touring in uh, 2022. It's already got uh, a couple of venues confirmed, which is cool. But then of course we don't know what the world right. lo- looks like okay. in 2022 or 2021. Like that's kind of reliant on if the fringe is open this year. Right, and right, people right. are able to come see it. Um, but no, I think I'd love to tour Patricia. I would love to tour Patricia because 
it is a different thing as well when you're talking about domestic violence in London. It's obviously a very, very prevalent thing. But then it's like, how does that conversation change when you're having it in Manchester? Or how does that conversation change when you're having it in Bristol? Or like, you know, it is... It, and, and for me, like Midlands, I... There's a tight... So the town I'm from, teeny tiny town, there is a theatre there that goes unused basically i think they have youth theater there and a couple of like maybe a panto done by like the local church or whatever it, but like this theater probably sits like 200 people it's not a small it's not it's not crazy small but like it isn't used throughout the year and it kind of hopped into my head at some point i was like if i took patricia there what would that mean and i was like it's so like it's all of these things i'm like having that conversation in a deeply conservative relatively middle-class town um you know with a probably a slightly older population all of these things I'm like would it be worth not like I think that's the thing I think people ask the wrong questions sometimes and it's like you have to ask is your work worthy of that place and I think the mistake that happens a lot is London theatre sort of sort of thinks is that place worthy of my work and it's a flipped question and it's like actually you have to like yeah fuck I, and my thing <laughs> my way with <laughs> my yeah. thing with access has always been so one of the first plays I went to see was um Lincoln Castle is this like uh not National Trust but some sort of like you know historical it's place. one of them things yeah 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 like you can kind of walk around the ruins and whatever <laughs> um I don't really go <laughs> It's like hundreds of year old castles. Like, it's a, you know, I can't flag it off because my, da- no, my dad yeah. works there now. So I'm like, it's lovely, it's lovely. Um, but like one of the oh, first oh. things, so the reason we ended up, uh, my family ended up in Lincolnshire, I think, I might get this all wrong because this is all pre when I was born, but my dad's Scottish right. and then he joined the RAF very young and then he went and spent a lot of time over in Germany, lived in Germany and then I think the RAF brought him to Lincolnshire um, and then he left the RAF um moved around a little bit but then kind of said well now he's just on the cusp he's like more Nottinghamshire now but he settled in in Sleaford and in and like my dad my dad is a really 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 intelligent guy like just he's just a naturally very intelligent guy he reads a lot he's got a really fast mind all of these sort of things but I don't think my dad has ever really known what it is he wants to do and then so when we were younger he took me and my brother and my stepmom to Shakespeare in the castle and they performed it on like the grounds at night and you brought your own picnic blanket and everything and it was like some amateur dramatic society doing Romeo and Juliet and it was brilliant and my dad loved it and now when I think I'm like why does my dad or like even so at this little tiny theatre in Sleaford they put on a John Gob I think it was John Godber play up and under about like rugby and stuff and it was very funny and quite laddie and quite work like my family's quite a working class family quite white working class and angsty and all this sort of stuff my dad loved it and I'm like why the hell is there anyone in the world and there are people in the world that why do these people not think that my dad deserves theatre that he enjoys because my dad's fucking sick and but they are and he took me to see these Shakespeare's in the park that were for community and for entertainment and for enjoyment. And they had, you know, Mm. people dressed up in funny things to make people laugh and have a good night. And I'm like, why, why the hell would I take my dad to see some theater where it's just an actor on stage doing the to be or not to be speech. And he couldn't give a crap about what, who's in the audience. Mm. All he cares Mm. about is that this is his moment and he's really going to shine and be emotionally connected. And I'm like, my dad 
deserves theatre as much as I deserve theatre, as much as you deserve theatre, as much as Ian McKellen deserves theatre. And it just, it, it, it gets me so much because I'm like, that's an attitude you have to have of like, who are you writing for? Who are you making this for? Mm. And if the answer is you're making it for you, mm. that's just not a good enough answer. Yeah, yeah, it's not. That's a terrible well, It's answer. not anymore. It's not, it's definitely not anymore. No, and I think, and I think crucially, people can smell it out now. Yeah, more. totally. I think crucially as well, what you were talking about with the, you know, going to a castle in your local town, getting picnic out and watching a play. That's like, that's actually where like the tradition of it Mm-hmm. is and that actually like has a reason for bringing like community together and putting everyone in the same place so they can watch the same thing and enjoy it together not like change people's minds or not change just give them a nice time or just give them entertainment yeah. if they get they get from it what they get from it but all of that has a reason whereas yeah. like i think you know but maybe yeah you're right it's like does it does it what is it for i kind of want to uh we're not pressed on time, but I just want to... Um, no, 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 structure. I want to get back to Open Door yeah. because I wanted to ask you about it. And so um, you... How did you get into it? First of all, what, I mean, I don't know what it is. So can you tell me more about it? I think I've asked you about it before, but I can't, I can't remember what I said 20 minutes ago. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so Open Door is now a charity. When I was in it, it wasn't a charity, but it's okay. now registered as a charity. Um, and it's is a guy called David Mominy, glorious human. Big up David Mominy. Yeah. Big, big up David Mominy <laughs> and Ruth. Um, but it's basically... And who, sorry? And who? Uh, Ruth. Ruth Syke, also co. And Ruth Syke. Open door. Um, awesome. But it's, Dave, it's like David's baby. Um, but basically what they do is they audition uh, whoever applies. And it Traditionally is, young so, people? Yeah, so I think when I auditioned... I was the first ever group of open doors. So we were like almost like a trial year. Wow. Okay. And um, now there's three groups. I think this year they took a break. What with everything that happened with a lot of drama schools, I think they kind of recouped and then they'll launch again next year. Hmm. Um, but what it does is it, you, it gives free drama school auditions to Rada, Lambda, Guildhall, Central, Royal Welsh, Drama Centre, and now Royal Scottish. I don't think we had Royal Scottish when I was there, mm. but now Royal Scottish as well. Um, so you get free auditions to the drama schools. If you get recalls in places that are outside of London, they pay your travel. Um, and then also you get workshops. So we had movement workshops with Polly Bennett, writing workshops with Chris Arch, and you wow. also get a buddy. Um, so a working actor that kind of just you guys can chat about whatever you want to chat about and you can get advice and they also have Q and A's and all this sort of stuff. And it just makes you feel, and, and it's specifically, it's for actors from working class backgrounds. Um, so you have to, I don't know if it's changed now, but like your family have to earn a certain amount or less than a certain amount to, right. to okay. kind of qualify. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I think they upped that amount for London because London's class system is so much more complicated I think than other places um but yeah so when I first did it they only did it in London and then the second year it was London and the East Midlands actually so I was like (laughs) um and then the third year they've got London East Mids Rotherham and oh no not Rotherham Rotherham 
and then somewhere else where I could get. Right, but right. They're yeah. amazing. They're just amazing people. And they, uh, how long were you there? A year? Just probably around six months or so, I think. So okay. But they guided we, you towards Central? No, well, not intentionally. Um, right. You kind of do all your auditions and they just prep you for the auditions. But actually my, hilariously, my, I can say this now because it's fine. But my, I was like, if there's one school, I'd, I'd never, so I was... Oh my God, I've started this story like six times. Just finish the sentence, Martha. Um, I was 23 by the time I got into Central and I'd never auditioned for Central before. I'd auditioned for drama schools when I was 18. I'd auditioned for Rada, Lambda and Guildhall. And I got to the final round at Guildhall, but then didn't get a place. And then when I was 18, I moved to London anyway and just worked. And then when I was 23... I joined Open Door and did all of these auditions. So I'd never auditioned for Central before, but this is so ridiculous. I've always lived in South London, South East London. And I was like, I'm not going to go to Central. It's in West London. It's in like Northwest London. I'm not going to go to Central. Right. That's ridiculous. Right. Right. And so my initial audition to Central, I was working and I, the, I couldn't get the time off. So And I almost didn't tell Open Door I was just going to miss my audition because I didn't really want to go there anyway. I was like, it's in, it's in North London. It's too much of a commute. <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> and then I, I did tell Open Door and they were like, Martha, that's ridiculous. Like, you have to reschedule your audition. And they, they did that for me with Central. And then I ended up going, loved it, loved the audition. And I was like, this is my place. And then I got in. Yeah. Which was sick. So it was like, I was so adamant in my I was like, it's Guildhall. It's Guildhall for me. Yeah, yeah, right. I love it. I love it. And then again, I got to the final round and they didn't give me a place. And I was like, um, but... did you get did you get offered that like summer course thing? No, no, they just flat out didn't want oh. me. Uh, <laughs> but it oh. worked out for the best because one thing I remember in all these Q and A's, we had these amazing actors, and they would they kept saying like, oh, you'll you'll get into the place that's right for you. You'll get into the place that's right for you. And me and all my bitterness, I was like. That's really easy to say once you've gotten into a yeah, place. Yeah, I think that's hard. I think that's a hard thing to say to someone. But I, I do don't know. think there's an accuracy to it because I was so... I remember thinking... Like, Central was the last place I auditioned at as well. And, like, I remember thinking, you're not meant to enjoy a drama school audition. Like, they're so stressful. They're all of these sort of things. They're so anxiety-inducing. Blah, blah, blah. You're not meant to... And then I had, with Central, I had the best time. I just had a pure giggle. I had the best time. I vibed with everybody there. And I was like, oh, this is the place that's right for me. And it was weird when I, the, the, the final round, you do your audition and then you do your interview. Yeah. And I left my interview and I was like, without being horribly cocky, I think I've got in. And I just felt it because I was like, this is the right place for me. And, and, like, and I like these people and I think they like me. And, and yeah, and so now I understand that advice, but I think it's just quite hard to hear when you're relentlessly auditioning and yeah, receiving it's... rejection after rejection after rejection. But... It's a, yeah, the, the 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 last the, the getting into drama school, I think, is such a um, it's such a hard process for people to. I, I don't know what you say to people because I mean, um, yeah, the, the last thing you want to hear really is that like. Oh, you're you're auditioning the school as well. 
It's like, <laughs> yeah, but like, <laughs> but, no, but at the end of the day, like, I, I want to go to all of them and I yeah. just, and I can't get into any of them. And it's like Prada's not coming into my living room and yeah, doing yeah. two speeches and like all of their vulnerability, but I'm yeah. doing that for them. But yeah, and, no, I think that, yeah. And actually the last thing I think people feel, and maybe it's something that, sh- that should be different, but I think the last thing that people feel is that, um, that uh, drama schools... Uh, give off a vibe of wanting <laughs> students. <laughs> I, th- I feel like sometimes they give off this vibe of, like, if you can get in here, <laughs> like, you know, this is like I don't know. There's a sort of um, there's a sort of standoffishness to to, to drama schools and to the it, process. Yeah, it's it's that reconciliation again of like it's it's that thing of when you're at drama school. I have to remind myself because when you're there, and I'm sure you like experience the same thing like when you're going through the slog of it you're just like this is hell this is i'm so tired i don't Mm. think i've done good acting in years like i like this is hell and then i'm like but it's such a privilege that i'm here it's like yes yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. i like and i have to like remind myself of that but i think what gets crossed is it's not necessarily a privilege to audition and i think like auditioning actually that line's been blurred a bit because it's a great thing to audition but like you don't get any feedback you don't get Mm. like any notes you don't get to try again you've paid you've paid to be there yeah so it's not it's not a privilege to audition it's a privilege to be in the school and it's Mm. privilege to get a place and like i'm not undermining that in the slightest but i think sometimes when you're auditioning they still have that vibe of it's a privilege for you to be here and i'm like not really (laughs) like yeah this doesn't feel very privileged this feels horrendous but also i I think I think you are right in that sense, but also I still think that can carry on into the training and that like you can often feel there's a that sort of that lack of wanting to um what can I say? That feeling of oh oh you should be you should be grateful to be here is 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 still does slightly undermine the thing of well hang on, I, I'm paying to be here. I got yeah. in here off my own merit. Everyone who gets into a drama school deserves to be there in their mm-hmm. own right, whether they got in when they were 18 or when they got in when they were 23. Yeah, I don't know. I, I think, think that maybe that's something that will be addressed in drama schools as well. There's like, it's less, it, less of a teacher-student thing and more of a, 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 like a collaboration. And like someone who, you know, you're taught to... I, I listened to an interview with um, uh, Steve Kavuma the other day where he was um at art set and he was talking about how in the foundation he stopped calling students students he started calling them collaborators or artists mm. and i think even just something as small as that just just changes the balance of the room it just truly like i remember I they know. went from calling like at we did when we were open door they did we did like a showing and david gave a speech at the end and he's like i have to i always remember he said like i have to slap myself because i keep wanting to call them young actors and they're just actors and it's mm. just like and, and it's mm. like the so true it's like i do think central does it like central yeah I just, actors, yeah i think maybe, maybe uh, it does. but the, it, it is that know. that vibe of i know exactly what you mean of like your gratitude for being in a drama school shouldn't override your life your experience or your 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 difficulties in it yeah exactly exactly that like you should be allowed to feel both the things. And I think that's, that's something that's, that, um, that I think 
I mean, you've already worked, so I, I know you will probably have experienced it already, but I think that's something that we've talked about a lot on this pod of, of when it changes from, you know, the dream of a kid to the work of a young adult or an adult mm-hmm. and how the, just because you're working doesn't mean it's always going to be the best and the, like the dream come true. It's, it's a, it becomes a functionality, it becomes a job and it becomes monetized and you need to do it. And so I'm interested now in, you're in your third year and yeah. this podcast is, is called The I Word. And so how <laughs> does it feel to be re-entering, I guess, The I Word in a yeah. sense? Because yeah. like you're having to go through all the stuff of, how does it feel to be going through that process as an actor again it's like it's so hard like i know like i know you want to be more positive but it's so no you don't have to you don't have to be you don't have to be it's just really relentless and i think Mm. it happening this year of all years is really it's really tough one thing i'm really grateful for and i think you guys had it as well like we're a really tight-knit year group yeah and we all have like even though we've you know we we bicker and, and we snap at each other every now and again. We all have so much love for each other that we're all kind of no one's descended into that like third year anxiety madness yet. I'm sure it'll happen, but like right now everybody's got some sort of like, you know what, we're just doing the best we can in the circumstances sort of vibe and everyone's kind of holding that together for each other. So that's really nice. And I do think coming out of it like older, I'm like I'm twenty seven, I, I I kind of I've got, oh, it's a terrible thing to say, maybe it's not, but no, I don't think it's a terrible thing. I've got my life. Like, yeah, I was, I, I was about to say, I was about to say the same thing. I was like, yeah. you've got to, you know you love dogs, you've got writing <laughs> things, you've got other things, you've got other things that are important. Like, like, <laughs> and I think it's like the sanity as well of like, so no one else, other, other than the people I go to Central with and my good friend who's away in LA, not, I don't have a lot of actor um, friends. Right. Um, oh god, I said that, and then I was like, "That's not true, Rebecca, Angie." Blah, blah, blah. But like the people that I <laughs> no, no, I know what you mean. I know what you mean. But the people I see and speak to on a daily basis, like my partner, right. he's a designer, um, and right. not like a theatre designer. He's like a medical designer, and all of this sort of stuff. And it just helps me give, I, I think, give myself a bit of context of like it. Just, I am such a control freak, but actually, when you recognise that. Other than just doing some good acting, not one bit of this is within your control. Like I yeah, can't, yeah. other than sending the email and doing the best I can, I can't do anything. I can't, you can't make a person, an agent or whatever want you. So no. I think at the moment, re-entering feels kind of good because I have a good perspective. I'm in a good place and all this sort of stuff. I think in a month's time, I will be a blob. I think I think the tipping point will happen and I'm expecting it. I'm ready for it. But then also I think one thing, I think lockdown's kind of taught everybody how, what their coping mechanisms are. So like now I know like mine's like swimming. I swim so well when I can, obviously it's all rubbish. Um, but I swim so much. So when this year goes to shit, I will just go swimming and it'll all be fine. Um, but no, right now I kind of feel okay. I think, you just have to go it's, it is relentless and it's really exhausting but like it's just you can't do anything about it so mm. you just have to kind of ride the wave a little bit <laughs> hey that was a swimming pun as well <laughs> it, was, it was almost as good as the bookend one almost as good but not quite <laughs> um what is it about swimming 
Oh, I love, so I love cold, like wild swimming and cold water swimming because when, also I, I live in fear of the cold. Like I hate being cold. So it's a real weird thing for me to enjoy it. But I think it's when you are that cold, you can't think about anything other than just like, it's either like drown or swim. So like mm. you have to, it kind of forces your brain to shut up and just focus on like being, especially when you can get to a lake, but not if not a lake, then a lido, like just being in the water, being supported in that way and just like moving as, as much as you can. And like, I just think it's the most peaceful, serene place to be is in the water. What is the difference between a lake and a lido? Is, it Lido? <laughs> is, a, is a Lido a swimming pool? An outdoor yeah, one? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, right, okay. L- Lido's an I, outdoor swimming pool. In my head, I just thought of the two ones in Hampstead Heath. And I would swear oh, yeah. that like one of them's called a Lido. Yeah, they're called... This a, is a mad like tangent a now. No. <laughs> <laughs> I, I never really got that. I don't like swimming in um, Hampstead because it's always really busy. And I get it's, really stressed. It's so busy. Yeah, it's it's really so busy. Bu- and I get, like, I get really like rude like it's like you know when you, <laughs> I get like, like I get really entitled because I'm like how dare you be in my way and then I'm like someone else is obviously just in your way it's like the same thing at a concert when someone like jumps into you I'm like oh god I hate you I understand you but I hate yeah, you yeah, yeah. just knocked into right. the next person as well <laughs> but yeah Hampstead doesn't make me a good person <laughs> that's another good title for this for this episode <laughs> Hampstead doesn't make me a good person it doesn't make many people good people um how was it doing a play um virtually because I saw it and I thought it was amazing how well you guys did, considering it was uh, Dusa Stas. And, oh, gosh, yeah. Um, um, it was bonkers, you know. It was... we Because obviously we were a cast member down from our year, so yes. Maddie from the year above um, joined us, which was so lovely because, we well, obviously we deeply missed Christina, um, but we all have like a really good relationship. Everyone loves Maddie. So it was yeah, really she's nice. Great. She's great. This is the best. Yeah. So it was really lovely having her and we, it was just the four of us um, cast wise. So we just had a really, really chilled out time. I do think watching it back, I think not having an audience was really hard because I think when you have an audience, obviously you get your notes from your director and that makes hopefully each performance a little bit better. But also when you have an audience, you get like immediate feedback because mm, yeah. they don't yeah. laugh and then you're like oh, that bit's meant to be funny so what am I not doing there or they mm. you hear the breath and you 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 can gauge the room that way and then you kind of like build on the audience's feedback as well and we just didn't have that um obviously which is you know completely right you can't do it at the moment um but yeah so it was tough it was tough to sort of build momentum I guess but Rehearsal-wise, it was lovely because we just had a really good giggle. I think it's a really interesting... um, Again, it's it's a very privileged position for me to say this because I I was lucky enough that I had my shows. But I think it's a really interesting acting exercise for you guys. And to to have to do that show and to do it at performance level but not for an audience, I think it is really interesting. And I, I mean, I watched it and I... I think I messaged you straight after I saw it and I was like, you don't have to remember. Did, <laughs> I, did I not reply? <laughs> this is when I, it's like, no, no, no. It's when I asked you to be on the, it's when I asked you to be on this. Cool. Then I went, yeah. what is the fight? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> uh, but it, I think I messaged, or I certainly messaged uh, one of you guys that I, it was the first time I really watched something and like missed going to the theatre because mm. I watched it and was like, 
this is this is great and this needs an audience mm. like there are some things that i you know I, you watch the kind of nt lives and there, there's an audience there so it's like well that's fine but it was like watching a, a sitcom without a laugh track and yeah. i was just like this needs this it was like this this deserves an audience and this this should have an audience and i wish i was that audience Oh, um, we would have loved you guys. It's like, it's like a, <laughs> it's a rite of passage. Yeah, it? I know. You know what I mean? Like, it's, you know, having having the above and then you guys as well come to see the Fergie shows and everyone goes to the Swiss afterwards and, like, buys a really <laughs> oh, overpriced glass of wine. I miss the Swiss, man. I miss the Swiss. Do you? I do. I, I have a real I have a real, uh, a real soft spot for it. Because so- oh. I think I associate it with, with that, with that moment yeah. of, like, you know, with finishing a show or finishing a horrendous year <laughs> or finishing like yeah. a horrible term or just sort of like, yeah. you know, wallowing in your own <laughs> kind of like self-pity over a pint oh. of taddy lager. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, what's, what's your, so I guess then what is, um, we're, we've just we've just entered 2021 and you know the world's going to be fine in you know six months so it's all good but we've also just entered another lockdown uh, yeah. or whenever I release this probably in a couple of weeks time uh, we've just we'll be right in the thick of it then we'll be right in the thick of it um, just the wallpaper uh, apart from swimming uh, and apart from continuing to do all the stuff you're doing which is really exciting and congratulations and I'm really really happy for you thank you um, it's just you're just amazing, Moth. But uh, Stop. Stop. <laughs> but um, the what do you what do you what's your plan for 2021? Do you have a plan? I mean, no. <laughs> Good, um, great, well, no, fantastic. I, I, well, it sort of goes back what you what you were saying before. Go with the flow. Like yeah. this is it. I would love. I have things I would love to happen. I but actually, so much of like my plan involves nothing to do with art and everything to do with going back to the Midlands, seeing my family, traveling up to Scotland, seeing my Scottish family, getting uh, out, seeing the sea. I haven't seen the sea in like way over a year. Like all of that sort of stuff for me, at least at the moment is kind of taking precedent over anything else. I do creatively. I mean, obviously I just want to graduate. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And like, it would be beautiful. I would love an, an <laughs> such a sad sentence. I would love a new idea. <laughs> like, <laughs> I feel like I've I've spent. I've, I feel very lucky, but I've had you know like I've been working on probably like the same four or five pieces. No, of work yeah, I get, quite a while. I get what you mean. I get what you mean. Yeah, so like to to have. I had an idea last night actually, and I don't know whether or not now it's terrible. Um, but I'm going to just like muse on that. And then, then I, I love when you get that moment of, oh, I can, I'm going to do that. I'm going to write this yeah. and this is going to be a really, I'm, I'm going to create something about this idea I had. And so, but yeah, I'd, I'd quite like to start working on a new idea. How, how long does it usually take for you to, um, do you listen to the, uh, Royal Court Playwrights podcast? No, I should. I am going to. Oh my to. god! Oh, you'd love it. You'd love it. But uh, Jez Butterworth has a great episode <laughs> where he talk, where he says it usually takes him fifteen years to decide when he's going to um, 
continue with an idea. I, I, I don't know if that's true, but like... How many uh, ideas you must have, though? I, well, he's only written like seven plays, so I'm not surprised. But he's a genius. But, but, um, genius. but yeah, I mean, Jess Butterworth is... If, if we're talking about writers when you watch and go like, I'm never going to be able to do that, so what's the point? Um, Jess Butterworth, Jess Butterworth is for me. Yeah. yeah. But um, um, what's, the, what's the test? Because you mentioned like you, you slept on it. Do you, do you sometimes just need to like... Does it need to pass the kind of overnight test of being like, oh, no, I do actually think this is a good idea? Or does it take longer than that for you? I think for me, it's when you start writing it. Like, I... Does it Does it write? Does it actually yeah, come out? I yeah, I think, yeah, like, yeah. I've yeah. never... And that's going to be something that I need to learn. Like, I'm not, I'm not at the end of any sort of process. And, like, that's going to be... I need to know how to persevere yeah, with an idea. Yeah, you're feeling of it now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Like, I need to... I, I want to know how to keep working on something when my brain has run out on it and at the moment I've only had the experience of like not it writing itself because that's an awful but like I've not struggled to get to the end of something right because a lot of it just comes out in like a big stream of consciousness and then it's editing um so that to me is usually the tell I've got 50 things that I've started and maybe wrote five pages of and then my brain just caps and it's like, I can't think of anything else to do with this concept or to, uh, this idea. And I think that's a technique and, and, and a craft that I need to know of like, when you get to that point, what writing exercises can you use? What, what, mm. what can you do then rather than just throw it in the trash? Right. So that'll be, that'll be, maybe that's a 20, maybe that's what I'm going to do. In <laughs> yeah. Uh, so what's your recommendation? Oh, okay. <laughs> so, it's Baby Teeth. I right. thought about it because it's, it's now on Netflix as well. So Baby Teeth is the only film that I managed to watch in a cinema this year. And it was between lockdowns. Um, and it's, so it's written by Rita Kalnajayas, which is my favorite writer, probably, I think. Um, she wrote the play and then they've made a film of the play. And um, yeah, it was between lockdowns. I went to the picture house in Dulwich. I walked there and... Um, it was me and one other person in the cinema because I was also like, I wasn't at school. So I was going on like a Tuesday, 11 mm. AM showing like yeah, no yeah, one was right, there. Right. Me and one other person. And, um, both of us, like we were so, <laughs> that classic thing of like, don't acknowledge each other. Yeah. Don't, yeah. <laughs> like, don't, don't talk about this. Um, and both of us just sobbed, but not like a shed a tear at a film. Like, like shoulders here heaving snotty nose like after the film i have to go and sit in the toilet at the cinemas to cry more um because i think it was the experience of a it's so beautiful and so well performed and so well written and so well crafted but also i think that was the first art i'd been to that i'd like took myself to in 2020 and like it was just this whole experience of like god this is what i miss and like this mm. is everything and so now it's on netflix so my recommendation though is to like treat yourself so it's a full a fleshed out recommendation of like get yourself a drink get yourself some overpriced sweets like a bag of m&ms or something and like set time aside and watch it alone would be my recommendation as well because i think there's like a thread of loneliness in that film that when you watch it by yourself, it resonates even better. It, oh, it's just, it's as close to perfect, I think, as, as a film gets. It's amazing. 
So that's my recommendation. Martha Watson Old Press, thank you very much, mate. <laughs> oh, thanks. I'm so sorry. I ramble so much. No, it's great. <laughs> this podcast is produced by me, Andy Sellers, with original music by Danny Hall. Thank you for listening.